right. Uh, welcome to Not My Rabbit Hole, the podcast. Uh, I am Terry Joyce, your host. And this is a special, a special guest, uh, limited edition of Not My Rabbit Hole. Actually, Jason Stewart is the first person that I'm going to be interviewing on my podcast. Uh, but I, I've known Jason for, I don't know, like 25 years or more. I don't okay. want to say. That, I that, that's how we met. We've known each other so long. I completely forgot. We did yeah, I, I, I think we met at the improv. Uh, you know what? Was it? Because I thought we met at the Long Beach Comedy Club. The Long that's Beach true. Club. Yes, you're, you're more right than I am, but we did work together at the improv. Yes. Yeah. We've worked together uh, quite a bit, and uh, I've, I've seen your career uh, just really uh, develop, and, uh, you know, we've all gone in a different certain directions, and uh, I'm... I'm and I think we did a show on the Time for Hemp Network. I had you on American yes, Freedom Radio. Did. And I was on your podcast. Yes, you were. Yeah, yeah. So that was a, really a treat. Are you still doing that? Are you still, no, are you I don't still have a podcast now. I'm focusing on acting, my web series, my book, uh, movies coming out. You know, that's what I'm focusing on right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've been doing really well in acting. As a matter of fact, I had, uh, I've actually pulled up your... Uh, IMDb. For those and, who don't know, that's the International Movie Database, which is what uh, the insiders will remember, the uh, modern, new, multifaceted version of the Academy Players Directive. But for people who are not in the business, that's a site that you can go to and you can see what everybody has done. You know, that's actually, that's so funny. That's Belinda Carroll just texted me because I'm doing her show this Saturday. Uh, no, I'm sorry, this Sunday. Uh, for No, no, wait, I'm not doing her show. Saturday, I'm doing a show for uh, Benefit for Biden online, which the information will be on my website, jasonstewart.com, S-T-U-A-R-T. And then on October 11th, I'm doing a virtual show uh, for National Coming Out Day. Uh, it, apparently, it's international, and through Belinda Carroll, who you introduced me to, who, uh, because of you, I've been working with her, and we, and we've, and we also have a friendship. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that, that uh, your relationship with her really fostered. Yes. I'm, al I'm always happy when that happens. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been watching, uh, you know, Belinda uh, develop. I interviewed her oh. a few times, too. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, isn't it? Came from being a singer and an activist to being a comedian and an activist to being a producer of the uh, Portland Queer Comedy Festival to producing all sorts of events. <clears throat> a total multifaceted uh, person, artist. Yeah, she she definitely is. Uh, now, let's just go here for a second. Uh, I, I looked at your website, and uh, I, I had never seen you on Geraldo, Geraldo Rivera, back in uh, 1992, when 92, you actually it came, came out. out. You came out in 1993, June. I think oh, I, did, I think I did it in 92. I don't remember when I did it exactly, but I think it was 92. In those days, things would take a much longer uh, amount of time to come. You know what? No, I think I did it in March of 93. I don't know why that sort of, I can't remember. It's 27 or 28 years ago. It Isn't was, it weird how that happens? I did that the other day. I go, when did I do this? And I'm like, what is happening to me? Well, I can remember other people's careers. Perfect. But I can't uh -huh. remember my own. <laughs> So what, I mean, again, I asked you earlier today, um, did you come out before Ellen did? And yes. Ellen came out in 95, 96, around then. Uh, Rosie came out after, so did Ricky. Uh, I think the only people out were Katie Lang, Melissa Etheridge, and Elton John is a bisexual that I can remember. There are other comedians that came out that were not as well known as those three. Um, I would say people that I stand on the shoulders are big time. They stand on the shoulders of Bruce Valanche, uh, Suzanne Westenhofer, uh, Dele Leah Delaria, Bob Smith, Jaffe Cohen, uh, Danny McWilliams, Danny uh, Will Williams. Um, oh, so many people. Michael Greer, Mark Davis. I always want to say all those comedians and I get a little chill because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. You know, Karen Ripley, uh, God, you know, um, Karen Williams, who's brilliant. So many people, you know, that came out before me and were openly gay and worked in all sorts of venues way before I did. And I remember, I'll tell you a little story in my book, Shut Up, I'm Talking, available now on Amazon or on my website with, that's autographed. Um, 
believe I was in the Gay Pride Parade. It was 1995. I had done a comedy special uh, with other openly gay comedians on Comedy Central. There were three of them, Hollywood, New York, and San Francisco. I was in the Hollywood version. And Leah Delaria was also in the parade. I was sitting in a car. For those of you who don't know, you sit in a car and you wait. Sometimes you could be waiting a couple hours to go into the parade. I, I was in the parade once. I know. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I did know. a medical marijuana float. Uh, oh. And we actually won. We took a coveted award. We won the Butterfly Award for the most original and colorful float. Um, of course <laughs> we did. We were toking, right? <laughs> I was just in a regular old car sitting there. And uh, Leah Del and it said Jason Stewart, you know, uh, out there, out there was called Out There in Hollywood. Out There was the name of the special. And Leah Delary screamed at me, why didn't you come out years ago? And I, and I looked at her and I didn't even know what to say. What took you so long, I think she said. And I said, I just didn't know. I don't even know if she even ever heard me, but I just said, I didn't know that I had a choice. I didn't know that was an option. It never even occurred to me. And it's funny because I called her and let her know that I was going to be in my, that uh, that story was going to be in my book. And when I called her, first thing she said to me is, how did you get my number? Because I also wanted to ask her to be on my podcast at the time, which I called her and she said, call my agent and set it up and they, and they refused. So she never was on, but um, she's a character and I certainly uh, respect everything she's done for us before you know and it really uh it, it really was so different than i don't think people really realize it uh one of the things i i, I while you're speaking i i came to mind was the fact that uh for so long hollywood uh covered up gay people uh and we created i mean we fake still relationships we, we still do there are some people that still refuse to come out and they feel that it will be detrimental to their career. And I always say to those people, there are three groups of people. There's people that love you, there's people that hate you, and there's people that have no opinion of you as of yet. Stick with the other two groups. You know, it took me a long time for people, so people are right, it did take me a long time for people to take me seriously as an actor and also as to, to be able to play straight people. But oh, you play them so well too. I I was so impressed with uh, you know the uh, the um the birth, birth of, a nation. of a nation birth of a nation part. Really, I mean you're totally different than you are. It, I'm and I just I was so I'm, I was blown away by the way well, that really you kind of you and that movie changed my life and it changed my life for a lot of reasons. I'll say because. Uh, when I was doing press for the movie, I spent almost a year going to red carpets and events and promoting the film. And the thing I was asked all the time is, how do you feel about all of this? How do you feel about playing a uh, white heterosexual Christian plantation owner in 1831 when you're a gay liberal Jew? How do you feel about it? And I said, well, number one, what I do is I take off my shoes. I put on the shoes of my black brothers and sisters and I just shut up and listen because my opinion doesn't matter. And it's time now for us to go, if there's so many people having this point of view, it really doesn't matter what we think. It really doesn't because it's not happening to us in that specific way. And that's what Black Lives Matter. It doesn't mean no other lives matter. It means that this is happening and these people are standing up for who they are and trying to protect their children. And uh, basically it happens to, to uh, I would guess, you know, from what I'm, reading in the media is, you know, teenagers to guys in 20s and 30s. It seems to happen to younger people much more, not that it doesn't happen to some older people, but that's what's really uh, so heart-wrenching. People that have their whole lives in front of them. It's just heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And we should just shut up and listen to them and, and go, okay, this is happening. What can we do to help? How can we change this? It, it does, having been a gay man that, that has had, um, limitations in, in a sense you know i i feel that it's been a, a, over time where gay people have not for many years were not not accepted or ridiculed or you know put made outcast or i mean we all have our um things that we have to overcome for example being a woman you know i mean i, I feel that uh you know i i get taken i have to handle certain things in a way because i'm a woman working as a comedian or whatever world, you know, worlds are going into, there's always a, 
a limitation that you have to overcome in a way. Um, and I think that when you have those kind of struggles, then you're able to have compassion for everybody else who's either dealing with racism or discrimination or not having the same you would, opportunities. You would hope so. Else. You would hope so, Terry. You would hope so that people would feel that way. But there are a lot of people that still don't. There's still women in this country that, did, that didn't vote for Hillary, who was the smartest person in the room. They believed all the things that were written about her on the internet by the Russians. And, you know, instead of, uh, and all the fake things that was done by the Trump campaign. And you just look at, take away anything she's accomplished and look at her goals of what she tried to accomplish. And that to me is the most important thing because we're not going to accomplish everything in life. That's just not the way it is. But what was her goal? What was her, uh, you know, setup? What did she want to do? And they, you look at all the things, you know, lawyer for kids that were uh, younger children, women, uh, rape, uh, the, what was it, the 9-11, uh, Benghazi, you know, that she tried to, that they put on her and tried to, oh, just so many things. It didn't matter what was put on her. She completely uh, exonerated herself and still people still think that she's a bad person. And nothing has ever been proven. All these things that were put on her. And it was just sort of sad because she was one of the smartest people in the room. And we'd be in a whole different place now in our country. It just kills me. And after watching that debate last night, man, can you, I just the debate was uh, a straight. Debate. I, I would say that it's the worst presidential debate I've ever seen. It wasn't. Oh my god! I can't even unsettled. I can't even call it a debate. It was a street fight. Yeah, I thought they were gonna. I I wrote on my Facebook account that I have back now. I mean, not back on my new one. Uh, I thought I said I thought they were gonna duke it out. Like they were just gonna punch each other and be wrestling on the floor. Uh, literally, I thought these men are going to fight each other. Well, it really upset me to, to no end. It really did. Uh, um, now, one thing I want to bring up, Jason, and, and I'm noticing uh, that... I say Bernie, Bernie, Bernie was who I originally wanted, and then I moved, you know, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie, and then uh, now Biden. I've moved, you know, my, my, I say, please vote for Biden. No, he's not everything. He's not perfect but he is a man that will sit at the head of the table and say, Terry does podcasts. She does that well. Let's have her do this. Jason's a good actor. Let him hit him do that. He will pick the best people to do the job and he will find out and follow up and make sure that, that it's done. And that's who he's done it, done in his whole career. And what I love about him also, when he's done something where he made a mistake, he said, look, this was a different time. I made a mistake. And now I've changed my view on that and I'm moving on. He was also the first person to... to publicly, first politician in office to publicly say, uh, I guess in the White House that I ever heard, public office in the White House to say that, uh, you know, that he believes in LGBTQ marriage. And that was just, man, you know. Well, you know, I campaigned for uh, LGBTQ marriage. I, I, did, I, I took, I, I did um, canvassing uh, for Equality California and uh, raised funds for it uh, back in like it's, when when the more when it was legalized and then the Mormon Church came in and put something on the ballot and then took it off. It was right around that particular era that uh, that I got involved with uh, with supporting uh, gay rights. I actually lived with a woman who uh, was a, a lesbian. She was an old actress. She had done some like Andy Griffiths and stuff like that. Matter of fact, she had been on um, the Iron. Huh? Her name was Janet Stewart. Her name was Janet Stewart, of all people. Oh, my God. And, and uh, her um, uh, partner, Mimi Harris. Do you know that uh, uh, right, quiet, uh, Quiet Riot video where they're throwing out the CDs for the uh, language and stuff like that? There's this uh, you know, woman and an old woman in a military outfit going like this, and these two military women. That's Janet and, and uh, Mimi. S-T-U-A-R-T or S-T-E-W? Just like you, S-T-U-A-R-T, just like oh you. God. Yeah, yeah, I, I ended up being her caregiver for a long time. And Mimi, they were in show business. They, they, they were in when Hollywood was closeted, you know, and uh, they knew everybody, Lily Tomlin. Wait, was it real, was it Janice? Janice was her name, you sure? Janet, Janet Stewart. Janet, that's what I thought, okay, yes, because I remember her. Didn't she play, uh, she played somebody's girlfriend. Um, on she was on the original Andy Griffith before they had Don Knotts. 
she played a comedic uh, role in it. She did, she had little parts. I mean, she wasn't really big, but she was on that um, Raymond Burr show. Uh, I don't know if it was Ironside, but the, first, the one before that, you know, when it was okay. a black and white. She guest starred William Hopper. One time we were watching that, an episode, and she goes, oh, William Hopper came on. She goes, on the, uh, on the credit, she goes, oh, honey, she goes, that's Etta Hopper's uh, son. She goes, honey, I was his beard. And I go, oh my God, Jim, I can't believe you just said that. She goes, well, I was. I was his beard. Oh my and God. And I, you know, she used to hang out with Leonard Nimoy. She knew Leonard Nimoy. And they, she talks about living, she talked about living at a place in, called the House of Gables. Oh, Leonard here she Nimoy. is. Here she is. On, uh, I, have her, I have her on IMDb. She didn't spell it my way. She spelled it E-W. Oh, okay. I messed up then. Yeah. E-W, yeah. Andy yeah. Griffith, the millionaire. Oh my God, Perry Mason. Oh my God, so many of those shows that we, Dragnet, Golden Girl. Oh, she was in um, the original Strangers on a Train. And-, uh, and Yes, and, yes, 1951. And there, there was a famous woman that she was really friends with from that movie. And they went down, they were on a certain type of uh, ship that's, that, that actually went down. Like it was, it was, they had to be rescued. So oh famous, God. yeah. I loved her. I, she's passed away now, uh, but I, I, but I was her caregiver, and something happened. Like she, you know, she couldn't get. They couldn't get married. They were together for uh, for uh, thirty years, I believe, something like that. Her and her I'd partner. Like, I'd like thirty minutes with somebody great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and so she. What happened when Mimi passed? They had stuff. They had collected, you know, they, they, they lived places. They had money together, you know, and then when they, because there was no marriage, when they were divorced, she didn't have anything. Uh, and I mean, there was no, you know, it, it somehow it ended up where she had well, what no. Happens is, for those at home, you don't know this. What happens is if we did not have gay marriage, it's that if you were married to somebody like Janet was, her partner, Mimi, would get nothing. And even if they'd own a house together and it was under Janet's name, then they would get nothing unless Mimi would sell her the house before for like a dollar. And a lot of people did that, or they had lawyers put up these great wills that the family couldn't go in and take things. There's a, a section of if these walls could talk with Vanessa Redgrave. I that, saw it. That's yeah. brilliant. That is that story. But nonetheless, we, yeah. we, we move on. Um, I, feel, I just feel that. And, and again, if they, if they, if let's say you were in the hospital because you weren't family or married, you wouldn't be able to whole, see them. That was what that whole movie was about. That whole section of the film was about. Yeah. Yeah. And I just didn't think, I just don't think that's fair because I mean, take the moral is, issue out of everything. It's, you know, I uh, think anybody should be able to do whatever they want with their money. Right. So if I live with you and I wanted you to have everything, I could say you have everything. The marriage thing is, it seems odd that that would go to that person, you know, without the, the choice. I think the person, I think, but that's me. I think everybody should make their own choice of who they want to go with and, you know, who they, who they, who they really want. That You should take care of your stuff before, believe me, it's important. Well, that was one of the reasons why, I mean, she was one of my, one of my inspiration to, to, to go to support a gay marriage because I saw her not have anything. Well, now and, we have uh, it. Now we have it. We have, when we get married, we're the same as straight people, unless this judge goes in and tries to change it. Oh, God. Well, Don't that's me. the premise of your series, Smothered. Because I, because yes. when you guys did get marriage, I uh, marry marriage uh, equality. I was like, okay, get ready for your divorces. You know, well, I, in, I, had, I, I have a series now on Amazon, uh, co-produced, co-starring, and co-written by myself and Mitch Hera, wonderfully talented guy, and we are. Uh, I guess we've been on now for two months, two or three months. We're on Amazon. Uh, it's seven five-minute bite-sized episodes. It's about this couple that hate each other but can't afford to get divorced. It's really funny. We keep going to different therapists. And until you find out what goes on, I won't tell you because I don't want to ruin the end for you. But it's real easy to watch. You can watch it on Amazon. You can watch it on YouTube. If you don't have Amazon, you can watch it on Roku, uh, uh, Apple TV, uh, Android TV, Samsung TV, Universal TV, it's, it's everywhere. And it, it's, it's also on the, the gay site Reverie. So we really wanted people to watch the series. We've had close to 50,000 views and over 100 reviews. And Terry, you have to go in and write a review on Amazon. And you don't have to be an Amazon member to write a review. You can just go in there. And where the big M is in Smothered, you click on 
the stars and give us five stars and write a review. I just really thought it was it was it was well written. It was funny. Uh, the characters are multi layered. Uh, you know, your character. Uh, I really sometimes felt for you. Oh, you know, wow. because because he was so. You know, you could like you just. It seemed like your character just wanted to. I just want to be loved, you know, and, and that one scene where he, he, you know, he says something like, well, uh, 25 years and I'm wondering what that, what I'm doing here. And then your reaction was like, just devastated, like 25, what, if, what am I doing here? Or, you know, it, and it just, it was just so. And he, then he says, we agreed on 12, no, seven. And we yeah. go back and forth about the amount of years because he doesn't want anybody to know how old each we are. So it, not, nobody really knows how long we were together. We just keep doing that over and over and over again. And by the way, you, you look good in underwear, too, in the first oh. <laughs> beginning. I go, hey, Jason has some cute legs, man. <laughs> well, years and years on a treadmill or an elliptical, <laughs> riding my bike, yeah. Yeah, it, it was really, I, I enjoyed it. Now, they're only five minutes, like, they're short. And Seven, there's a lot in it. Here. It's like you feel like you watch a 30-minute episode, but so much happens in just that amount of time. Yes, yes, and we're trying right now to get it. Uh, then we're having meetings with big wig companies through Zoom and trying to get it to be a 30-minute series. And hopefully if Amazon, if we pass a certain point on Amazon, they'll notice. That's our, that's what we've heard because they've, uh, there's been mention of that. Is that how it's done now? It's like you I do have like no a, idea. I knew how it was why done. Why did you choose such a small, why, why did you choose to do smaller clips like that? I think it's very smart, actually. Because um, I think because of time and money, you know, it's uh -huh. easier. It's easier. We oh. enough money we would have done you know i guess we would have either done it as a short film which we sort of done it's a it's a half it's a pilot basically episode okay because when, when watching it i started to think wow maybe this is the way we're gonna go you know uh, well, some shows are short and some shows are long there is no uh you know mad men is the one that started that it would be an hour an hour and 10 minutes an hour and 15 minutes 45 minutes it would always be different and now that's what we're, they're doing on TV. The, the amount of the time doesn't matter. Uh, it's just, it's, it's the quality of the project and telling the story. And the first thing, there were three things that I wanted when we, when we did the uh, show, when Mitch asked me to be a part of it. He said, I, I said, first, I want it to be quality. I want it to be good. Second, I wanted to have a diverse cast. I didn't want everybody, since we're both white and Jewish and gay, I wanted everybody else to be something else or equal to what we were. And uh, also, I wanted to have fun. I wanted to have a good time. And if you're not having fun, I was in at Sundance one year with a film called Tangerine that I was in mm -hmm. that was put on a, uh, done on an iPhone. It was a very big hit in 2014. Oh, wow. I love the iPhone idea of filming. Yeah, 2015. Yeah, 2015 it came out. And I was at Sundance. And the Dupas brothers were the executive producers on the phone. And they had so many things. They had this big party at a... Uh, big restaurant with all the cast of these three or four different projects and they stood up and they said something they said look if you're not having fun doing this it's not worth it time is uh you know your time in life and who you are and what you're doing with your time is way too important what what are some of the most fame i'm not your most favorite roles that you've uh, played so far well um were you going to say famous? Famous? I, I wasn't well, I, I, you know, I don't know why famous. Well, I've worked with everybody. I've worked with everybody. Recently, I just worked with Bruce Dern and uh, J.K. Simmons on an episode of Goliath, the series that uh, stars Billy Bob Thornton, and I play the uh, head of the board at a pharmaceutical company. Um, I love playing the role in, in, in uh, Immortal that just came out on demand. It's uh, four parts, four different people who... Uh, can't die. And I play a private investigator who is uh, known for spyware. And I'm sort of very, I have a very low voice and I'm very intimidating. And that's all I knew about the part. And I love playing that. Uh, certainly The Birth of a Nation playing uh, Joseph Randall changed my life in terms of uh, being a part of a film. It's everything that I ever wanted. You know, being a part of a film that had a, a message where you would go into the theater, see the movie, and then completely change your thought on something. It's available now on Amazon and other um, uh, on-demand platforms. So you should watch this film. It stars Nate Parker, Army Hammer, uh, um, uh, Haley Joe, uh, uh, no, no, Haley Joe, 
forgot his name. The guy from Bad News. Osman or uh, um. No, that was Osman? on. That was on Goliath. There's so many people in it. You know, Penelope Ann Miller, Roger Guinevere. Oh, I haven't seen her in a while. I was wondering about um, what well, happened. She's been, she's been doing a lot of Lifetime movies. She did one about the colleges and one about. She did the, the one about the woman who had sex with the guys in prison. So she's been working. Oh wow! This having sex with the guys in prison. Remember that. <laughs> They did another one with Patricia Arquette that she won the. Uh, um, I I saw part. some of that. Yeah. Is it was it the same character but just in different? Yeah, it was the same exact story, but it was done in two hours, and uh, certainly the one on Showtime with her, you know Patricia Arquette was better. You know, Lifetime, you know, has so many limitations. They just don't seem to want to do things of quality. They want to get them in, get them out, and you almost feel like, oh, this is like half a movie, you know. But they have such wonderful actors. You think they want to do but they, they i think they think people are dumb i don't know well <laughs> the dumb people dumb it down i guess i don't know but it, it anyway like Birth everything's of, kind of dumbed down a little bit unfortunately birth of a nation is not and everybody uh you know such wonderful actors and it was a movie that had all the elements that i want you know it was a movie that people loved the quality of the film was brilliant the experience was brilliant the reception to the film was brilliant and uh, it came out in 2016 and uh, it's still been changing my career still so well in your uh, bio for your imdb uh you know and, and it's uh, you, you, the person writes uh you're known as being oh you're that guy so you you've been you've become recognizable as a character actor like oh he's that guy i recognize you but i don't really Basically, yeah, that's true. I remember being at a party, and when when uh, when I it all it, uh, that publicist who wrote that uh, bio for me uh, said, "Do you have a bio we can use? Let's update it." I said, "No, no, no." I said, "I want a brand new bio," and that's when we were doing publicity for my book. Shut up! I'm talking. Available at Amazon, um, and on my website if you want an autograph. Um, <laughs> um, we were doing all the uh, publicity and I said, I would like a bio that you guys write from your point of view about me, not me. And I told him the story about being at a party and some guy comes over and he says, oh, you're that guy. You're in all these things and I see you for a minute. You come in, you say something funny and then you leave. And I thought, oh God. And th th I guess that's who I am. And, but in Birth of a Nation, what was so great is that I was in more things. I was at eight scenes and I didn't have to leave. And that was why that film was such a great, I was such a part of the story. I was one of the three villains you know when uh i saw you one time uh and, you know there's a long time that i i didn't work with you and time went on and then i was watching that movie gia with oh Angela Jolie. something years ago i know and then i and i saw you in that that one little bit uh where you're taking your you're like a booking agent I and, her agent and, her agent yeah. who books her her print work yes yeah and i was just like oh my god <laughs> There's Jason. That, that movie was with that. That was the big career changer for Angelina Jolie, and I remember spending time with her on the set, and she was so sweet. And I remember being at the cast and crew screening, and she walks across the room to me to say hello, and that, I mean, that that had only happened to me one other time with someone I work with, and that was Rosie O'Donnell when I went to go see her. In a, uh, in a play on Broadway, off-Broadway called A Love Lost and What I Wore. And everybody was there, Marlo Thomas and Barbara Walters and all these big stars were there, Lee Grant. And, uh, and she came right over me and she said, hello, how you doing? And thanks for coming. And I thought, wow, you know. I love that. I love that blurb in your book. I mean, like the, the little uh, paragraph of the promo that you, you uh, put in there about how when you were growing up, you were watching Funny Girl and uh, you weren't in love with Barbara Streisand. You were in love with Omar Sharif. Yes. And and so was I. You know, yeah, I mean, like, and who are you left to be with Barbara Streisand? And who do you get your, who do you become? You know, who are you? You know, who are you in those, in that, in that, in that, in the world? Who, who are you to, emulate uh, that's what happened to me as a kid is i didn't know who i was and when i started working um i really didn't know who i was and i didn't you know i thought that i was marlo thomas on that girl or something or oh that my I, god that's so funny you say that i was just thinking about that yesterday that girl yeah, that, the, yeah, you're yeah. that guy that girl yeah. well that's where it sort of came from in my mind and 
you know, when you're growing up and you don't know where you are and you're just told that who you are is bad and to shut up about it. I remember opening up the World Book Encyclopedia and for those kids at home, that, that was the internets. And you'd open it up and it, it said the word <laughs> homosexual. I looked it up and what it said is mentally ill. And I slapped that book shot. You know, that was 10 years of therapy. And I didn't realize that, you know, that I hated who I was because I was told that. So it was, I wish if you watch anything, like you said, you watch me on Geraldo or watch me on, if you watch me on Star Search or any of the things you can see when I was a kid in the 80s, you see me talking so fast and my voice is so high. It's because I was scared. I was scared so much of the time. And I went into stand-up comedy, which became a way for me to make a living and got me sort of famous. And uh, from that, because of, because of my father's work ethic, you know, and I, because I could not get a job as an actor. I just could not. Well, one of the things you mentioned on, on Geraldo is that you were afraid to come out because, because of the fact that you would have limited roles. You felt that once you said you were gay, the only way, the only thing they're going to see you is playing a gay man. Yes, yeah, so playing a hairdresser, waiting for that great hairdresser. He laughs, he cries, he teases your hair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, well, I want to uh, also just kind of bullet point. I, I, I want my um, work to, to, to hear, to know, like, the body of work that you have. Oh, that's so had. I mean, while you're doing that, I'll just say about stand-up. Uh, stand-up has been such a godsend to me because it, it created a way for me to make a living. It made me a little famous and I was able to get other roles. Uh, I met some great people like Drew Carey who offered me a part on a sitcom and that changed my whole career because I became the sitcom guy. And then I got cast on my wife and kids by Damon Wayans and Bruce Fine and Jim Valet and Kim Wayans. They all said when this gay shrink came on the show, they said, everybody said Jason Stewart. And I never had to audition because I think if I auditioned for it, I probably wouldn't have gotten it because the role was written very like this more bitchy kind of a guy. And I played it like it was the, he was the nicest guy on earth and just wanted to help and had the time to really work on it for a couple of days. And I remember I was doing a show at the Russian river in San Francisco and my agent called me and said, Hey, they want you for my wife and kids. I said, well, when do I go for the interview? They said, no, they want you, you have the job. And wow. it was just, yeah, it was shocking. That's impressive when somebody just doesn't even audition you and just says, no, we, we, want, we want Jason Stewart for the role. I've had, uh, I've had, you know, a number of that happen. You know, I've had that happen a lot. I'd say a third of the roles I've been offered by people and because either by uh, independent film producers or comedians who, who knew my worth, you know, because you know, when you do something for over 40 years, you have a large fan base and people that are so uh, behind you. And, and uh, it, to me, it's just, I mean, the other day uh, I was talking, I, I redid my website, which is jasonstewart.com, S-T-U-A-R-T. Please everybody go. You can get all the social media there and everything, everything you want to know about me. And I was talking to my website guy because we were redecorating it. That's what I call it, uh, updating it. And he said, oh, and I got this notification on my phone on IMDb that I'd reached 150 film and TV show credits. And he goes, oh my God, you did? I said, yeah. He said, well, that's really a big thing, you know? And I said, oh yeah, but a lot of them are small parts and things. It's not, you know, he said, still, how many people have that? He said, you should put it on Facebook. And I did. And I got close to, I think, 800, seven or 800 likes. And I knew you know, it doesn't matter about likes and all that kind of stuff. It's not like my whole self-esteem is built from that. But what was really kind is that people really, I guess, what's the word? They really, uh, by, by liking it, they just really said, hey, you exist. What you did matters. You know, all that, all that work matters. And it really touched my heart in a way. And I just wrote about it. I wrote what I felt. And I feel very humbled about it, too, because, um, you know, I'm really lucky. And I think I'm really lucky because of my dad. My dad uh, was a Russian-Polish immigrant who fled the Holocaust and came to, you know, America in 1949. And what he always used to say to me is, he says, when you go to the interview, what you need to do is you need to wear a tie. Show them you mean business. <laughs> so I didn't always wear a tie, but what I did is I, I took that to mean, you know, be your best self. 
And that's what he taught me. And then my mom taught me to be really funny all the time because she was so funny growing up and sexy. She taught me how to get a guy, but not how to keep one. She's had four husbands. And she just called me when we're talking. That's why I looked down. So if anybody says, why is he looking down? Because that was my mom. She's ready and I have to take her for a flu shot. She's 83 years old. It still shops at Forever 71. So I want to read uh, a bit of a, a bit of what you've done, and uh, so I just just so people can hear. I mean, your your filmography is so impressive. Dead Dead Ringer and Pre-production. Well, that film has not been made yet. That's a film that is a uh, a part of a trilogy of remakes of campy old what they called fag hag films. The hag film. No, sorry, ooh, the hag films. And I did one called Hush Up, Sweet Charlotte with <laughs> with Mink Stoll. Varla Jean Merman and the uh, icon who does, uh, and uh, Matthew Martin, who does uh, Betty Davis in San Francisco. He's like a, a big star there. And I got to play Mr. Wills and I talk like this. I was very grand. And I was sort of like in one of those old Catherine Hepburn, Jimmy Stewart, Terry Grant films. And I'd say, God, Terry, so grand to see you. She looks great. Doesn't Terry look great? Terry looks fabulous. Everyone come in and talk to Terry. You know, and I, and I was so much fun doing that film because I'd never done that kind of campy yet stylized film. It was almost like being in a musical. And Barla Jean Merman and Matthew Martin really taught me a lot. And Mink Stoll, you know, being in all the John Waters films was just a, just a, what a, what a, what a career milestone to get to work with her. You know, oh, had, totally. And I had around eight scenes or seven or eight scenes in the film and I, I had one of them specifically with her. So that was really, really great. And uh, we just had a reunion recently. We did a reunion Zoom because they're re-releasing the film for Halloween on Here TV. So that's sort of cool. Oh, that's really cool. I have uh, stories about everything. So everything that you bring up, I'll have a story about. Uh, now, I, I've seen, uh, let me see, Immortal. That's out now. You can see that on Amazon and a lot of other uh, things. And so is Abducted, which I did where I play a, you saw it in the demo reel. I play uh, um, Detective Walter. And I walk around like this and I say things like, uh, yeah, what's going on here, Terry? Yeah. Did she do, do it? I don't know. Let's look in the other room. No, I don't see anything. Let's go. And I, I you know, I, I, I thought, how am I going to do this part? I have three scenes, three or four scenes in the film. And I said, how am I going to play this part? I said, oh, I'll just pretend I'm my brother, who was slightly irritated his whole life. <laughs> you know, and it, it's my first action, action film, you know, real action film, other than Kindergarten Cop which uh, was an action comedy, but I had one, uh, only one scene in that. I played the hairdresser to the villainess, Carol Baker. Remember Carol Baker from Baby Doll and uh, Giant and uh, Harlow? She was, and I was so excited about working with her. People kept saying, were you excited about working with Schwarzenegger? I said, yeah, but really, I'm really excited about working with Carol Baker. I played her hair, hairdresser and, and she was uh, the guy from Oh, this real sexy guy. I can't remember his name. He was very popular at the time. He played the villain and she was his mother. And I had to do her hair in this scene. And I had to remember where to put everything, you know, in her hair exactly the same. There were like eight cameras and they come in. It was a big, big action sequence. And I went, ah, you know, and, and I, you know, and all this stuff. And uh, I remember she had lost her reading glasses and she didn't want anybody to touch her hair. And I'm her hairdresser. Great. So we were shooting in a big, large, fancy mall in um, Santa Ana, and it was a really big hair salon, and I found a glasses place where she could buy some uh, readers, and we were fast friends. And I, I can't believe that I had the guts to do that, you know, and I just was so, I don't know, I just was so crazy. You know, I was just trying to figure out how to get in so I could do my best job, and that film really was one of my favorite experiences. Well, you're one of those kind of actors that, you know, you make a small part be a big part. And, yeah. and, and you know, people go, oh, it's a small part. I go, no, a small part, you can, you can still a scene in a, in a, with a small uh, let me just part. Say, there, there, I, people would say there's, what does it say? There were small actors, but no small parts. I would say, yes, there are small parts and I've done a lot of them, but I am not a small actor. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's talent. I mean, it's, and it's a good well, attitude also to have. practice by doing it so many times. But yeah. now that I've gotten bigger parts, I had to realize I didn't have to do everything in one scene. And I just had, you know, one scene in, in Goliath, which was really hard. I hadn't done it for a while. 
So it was another experience of having to do something all in one and to know that the, that the story was enough. And working with Bruce Dern, oh my God, he comes over to me at the end of the scene and he, he says that my character is named Charles. And he says, Charles, you know, because me and uh, J.K. Simmons have this toe to toe about what's going to happen in the company. And uh, Bruce Dern comes in, he says, well, Charles. And then by the third take, he comes in, well, Charlie is this way. And he, and he, and he says this and, I, and he looks at it and everybody, and then J.K. Simmons says, everybody get out. And we all get out and J Bruce Dern looks at me and I go, and he goes like this. And I say, thank you, sir. I added a line, thank you, sir. And uh, it was just so wonderful. And what all I could think of is, oh my God, I'm working with Bruce Stern, who was Academy, oh my God, yeah. Academy Award nominated actor for Nebraska and coming home, you know, and J.K. Simmons, who won for Whiplash and Haley Joe Osmond plays uh, Billy Bob Thornton's brother. And he was nominated for an Oscar for Sixth Sense. Everybody was nominated for an Oscar, but me. I thought, oh, God. Well, your time's coming because I'm I'm reading some of oh, your already what you've got. This is where I wanted to go to. Uh, Jason Stewart was nominated for the Gay International Film Award, aka Glitter Award, 2007 for Best Supporting Actor for his role in Coffee Date. Yeah, right. I should have brought that up. I should bring that up with them, right? Uh, Jason Stewart uh, originated the role of Jeremy Fisher in the play Above the Line by Susan Rubin. Jason won the LA Webfest Award for Best Supporting Actor in a Web Series Bitter Bartender 2012. Improv the whole thing. I said to them on the set, I said to them when I got it, he called me the night before and wanted me to memorize all this stuff. And I thought, God, you know, I can do this better if he lets me. And I started, that was the first time I just said, look, I'm just gonna do this if this is okay. And he was, he was just like, okay. You know, he was like really scared. And I went and improvised the whole thing. And then I won this award and I didn't even know I was nominated. Wow. Well, you know, I mean, it's great when you win an award and you don't know what, that you're even nominated. I did win Best Actor at the Silicon Beach Festival for uh, a film that I directed that I star in called um, Like Father. And I'm very proud of that. And I was nominated for the Indie Series Award, I think. And I think I was nominated for Best Writer for that. I don't remember. I wasn't, I can't remember. I got to look it up. I mean, it's just... Uh, see, Jason has been to the Sundance Festival three years in a row with films he acted in. All the films were picked up for distribution, Love is Strange with Sony Classics, Tangerine, Magnolia Pictures, and Birth of a Nation and Fox Searchlight. Love is Strange was great because I wanted to work with the director, um, Iris Sachs, for years, and I tried so hard. And then I had done another film called um, Bear City 2, the sequel, The Proposal. And the, the producer was the same producer on Love is Strange, and he got me a, a reading. Uh, I read for four different parts and I got this one. So that was really sort of cool. And uh, it, I got to work with John Lithgow, Marissa Tomei, Fred Molina, I mean, Harriet Harris. It was just like a who's who. Another time I had to say two pages of dialogue. I was the guy that married them. <clears throat> I was their friend, the, an officiant, and I married them. And I got to play that part. And I'm all I can think of is Golden Globe, you know, Oscar, Tony, Tony, Emmy, Emmy, nomination, Oscar. Oh, God, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> well, uh, it, it must be, it must feel good to be working with uh, pe people of that kind of caliber. I it, mean, you know, it's it just like you're in. The hardest thing is not being able to come back the next day that when, you're, when you're doing just one day on something. The hardest thing is one day. It really is. Well, hopefully um, you'll get many more longer days to well, that's be. The hope. That's the hope. And then uh, also I'm looking at where, uh, you see, you. Oh, in short Mandarin, I play Joe, the, 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 the uh, manager of uh, the doorman at Hamburger Mary's. And that's an interesting story because when they were filming that film, we did it in front of Hamburger Mary's on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood. And they were actually having a stand-up comedy night there that night and people walk by oh are you on tonight or do you work here because i was sitting in front of a tablet and they, what's going on and everybody oh are you yeah it was just so crazy because they used this tiny little camera and they were holding this you know light and it was just i thought who is going to hear me in this movie because i had done my own film uh probably 15 years before called uh, 10 attitudes and the biggest problem of the film was sound we didn't know how to do the sound properly so we had terrible sound problems and if anybody ever says if you're making something we'll fix it in post. 
uh, you just kill them. You can kill them right there and it's okay. I've, I've created a bill that that's allowed. And I, so you see me uh, at times going, yelling or saying, what, you know, and and because I thought I wasn't going to be heard, but the sound man was brilliant. The, the DP was brilliant. The director was brilliant. And I work with um, just, you know, just Maya Taylor, who won the Best Supporting Actress for the Independent Film Spirit Awards. I got to work with her and I sort of mentored her over the years. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. I did a comedy show one time at a Hamburger Mary's, but it wasn't at the Hamburger Mary's that you were talking, that you're speaking of. I believe I did. They had a comedy night way back. In Long uh, Beach. They would have them in yes, Long Beach. Yes, that's where it was at. It was in Long I did Beach. that too. I did that too. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. And you, you reference Hamburger Mary's and Smothered as well a, a few times. And, and I, I went, oh, there's Hamburger. I mean, doesn't your dialogue is, oh, you, you say it a few times in Smothered, ha uh, something about Hamburger Mary. Oh, yes, yes, because yeah. my friend is yeah. very steady, right, who was played by Coco Peru. And we had to cut her part because we had this whole scene with all these people that were people that were uh, that we talked about and we could not figure out how to put it together and I felt so bad but we just couldn't figure out a creative way of putting it together so we had to cut that do you remember a chain of restaurants called hamburger hamlets oh of course that's how I got my first job really uh, I was going to a Passover dinner with my brother and I didn't have a car at the time and he picked me up and it was 1979 I think. And I remember him saying, hey, before we go to dad's, you have to drop me off at this building because I have to drop off a picture and resume to this agent that I'm trying to get. And I went upstairs to do it. He didn't want to wait in the car. He was so impatient. And he went into Hamburger Mary's to have a Coke. And he sat next to this guy named Raymond Goldstone. And his sister was Ann Marcus. And Ann Marcus had uh, produced uh, the TV series Mary Hartman, Mary Harbin, and... Oh, my God, that's a flashback. No, was it Mary Hartman, or was it Knott's Landing? She produced some great oh. big series, and then they had a new series that followed Mary Hartman. It was called... Um, what was it called? The Life and Times of Eddie Roberts, later. And I played... I had four scenes, and I played a, a pot-smoking ping-pong player in uh, high school. <laughs> and I swear to God... I thought my whole life was going to change. And I didn't get another part until I did The Lost Empire. Not The Last Empire, the Bertolucci film, The Lost Empire, the Jim Winarski film, who just hit me up on Facebook recently. And I remember on that film, I played Gay Dude, number one. And I remember, oh my God. Gay Dude, number one. And I did well, not audition. Was number two. Uh, yeah, I did, there was no number two. I did not... <laughs> I did not audition for that part. I went with my manager at the time, Catherine James, to a lunch meeting uh, with this director. And we sat there and he said, oh, you can play this part. It's only one line. I said, it's a gay guy who gets mugged. And I said, oh, I could, it's a character role. I can do that. You know, and uh, he said, wear a blousey shirt and, and come. And then I came on set and he said, oh, that shirt's not going to work at all. It doesn't look gay enough. And where's your ascot? I thought, ascot? And I, so I, Jesus Christ. You know, it was 1982, I think. And I talked him out of the ascot because I said, nobody's I don't even know what that is. What is an ascot? It's, it's, it's a scarf that you put under and stick in your shirt. Okay. I okay. Look, Wait, what, what do you want you to be Charles Nelson Riley or something? Charles Nelson Riley, or I said the last time I saw someone wearing Ascot, I said to him was, was Thurston Howell the Third on Gilligan's Island. I think it's a little dated. <laughs> so I talked him out of that. But he didn't like my blousy shirt, so he looked at the at the makeup gown and he said, You she was wearing this tight uh striped it was a, a turquoise blue and white top. And he said, Wear that. So I look like Philip Seymour Hoffman in Boogie Nights. And I, and I had to wear this tight shirt and I swear to God, you know, I, I don't, I've never seen it. I, I refuse, I couldn't watch it. And I, and, and my first line in film was give me back my purse. And uh, that's the story to that one. Oh my God. I really love Seymour, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Boogie Nights. Did he get, he got nominated for that, didn't he? No. No? Oh, yeah. he should have. It's such a standout part. 
Well, I so feel like watching people. that movie again, actually. I've seen that movie so many times. I, 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 it. It's brilliant. I actually went to a screening of that film and I saw the three hour version of it. Oh. And it really was great. Is it's it a, better than the, uh, than the final cut, would you say? Or, or did they? I don't mind a long film myself, but I- I, I don't I, either. I, I, don't, I don't remember, honestly, but huh. I, I did love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great ensemble cast. Oh, he, he, brilliant. He's making yeah. another, another film now. I, and I, I like Magnolia, too. I was just recently listening to the soundtrack uh, of that again. I love that gonna, soundtrack. That's my favorite of his films. Uh, really? Oh, I love it. Just I love that film, too. I do. And I really do. Well, you should act more. You should start pursuing your acting career. I should. You know, I, I started thinking uh, lately... You know, I'm older now, but then I thought, you know what? Maybe that maybe that's an opening for me. Being oh, yeah. older, more roles will be could be available to me now as 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 an older person. And, I, and I would say to women, if you're willing to look your age, you will work because everybody needs a mother, you know, and their mother parts and everything, and everybody needs a, you know, older people for doing other smaller roles. Go for it, and if it's your passion, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I should get cracking again. I, re- I've, I've been thinking about it. I thought, you know, I could, I could work again easy. I mean, I feel like I'm ready. I could just jump right back in. Uh, I'm sure I could, you know, need maybe refresher work or however. But I, I mean, I've, I've got a well, lot. I'm of always, I, I, I have, I, I'm always, I do actor writer classes that I do every oh. month. You should get into it. I do that. I do one on Thursday. So I'm always working on my craft. I, I work with other actors. I coach people when they, when they coach me and we all help each other. So I'm constantly trying to do things to be better constantly. You know, you know, I might, I will do that. I, I'll, I'll join. I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll at least take one of your classes and, and uh, I don't have a class. I just, we just do it for fun. Oh, you do? Okay. I'd love to join you. I, you know, I know, I, I saw that you've worked with Paul Ella. Oh, Paul Elia, yes. Elia, yeah. I met him a long time or ago. Paul Elia. I, he, I Paul think it, Elia, yeah. He's changed yeah. the pronunciation, I think, again. Oh. Yeah, he's, uh, I met him one time before he, before you mentored him. Uh, there was a, a, a film series. that he was in, and I went to the screen of it. And uh, I, I guess we all went to eat afterwards at, at, a, at a restaurant and he was kind of sitting across from me and we talked and then I think we met for sushi one time and he was, he was wanting to pick my brain about comedy and, 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 and you took him under your wing and he blossomed and then you guys have gone and done uh, work together. I've read here in your- We did a web series about, called Mentor and I played this older, we play ourselves, we were very, uh, influenced by Louis C.K. show and uh, girls and things like that. And I played a guy who was at a turning point in his life, turning 50 and wanting to figure out who he was. My father had just passed. And I play someone who doesn't, you know, doesn't know what where he wants to go next. And then Paul plays a guy that wants to be mentored by me. But what happens is, is basically he starts mentoring me and bringing me back. It's a lovely series. It's also on Amazon called Mentor. Oh, Paul just, uh, I said, love you, bro. I said, congratulations. His comedy night just got mentioned in uh, Deadline. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, Well, you know what? We have about only uh, five more minutes uh, before I'm going to wrap up the show. I'd love to talk about my book. I mean, let's do it. I'd love to talk about my book. This is called Shut Up, I'm Talking, Coming Out in Hollywood and Making It to the Middle. And this is a book, it's, it's uh, published through CCB Publishing, and it's available on my website, and it's also available on uh, Amazon and uh, the CCB Publishing website. So you can just go to that, and there are links for both of them on jasonstewart.com, S-T-U-A-R-T. And, you know, people say, why did you write a book? Well, I think that I, I have this need to mentor and to share my stories and I think as you get older, that's what you want to do. You want to share your experience, strength, and hope. I love reading biographies, and I love reading how someone got from A to B to C to D or whatever. And I think what the book is really tells you is to be happy where you are. I mean, that's what it is. Like right now I'm talking to you, and next I'm going to take my mom for a flu shot. 
And that's what's ha happening today. And then later today, I do a voiceover audition. And <laughs> that's when I, at home, right here in the same spot. That's, that's my day, you know, that's what I'm doing. And I need to be happy where I am at the moment. And I'm, I'm where my feet are. And to, and to feel good about what I've accomplished. And not constantly try to think about, you know, I shoulda, woulda, coulda. You know, just to be okay about where I am. And that's my, that's my goal in life. That yeah. is great advice. And, and, and it's great. Uh, it's a, it's a wonderful message. And really, um, the other day, I, sometimes I do live streams uh, on YouTube and I just, I just take my, I probably will do one tonight uh, as well. And uh, there was one day where I said, you know, I, I started out dancing. Like I played uh, some old, like Sly and the Family Stone and I dance and I go, come on, you guys come dance with me because we have to remember to have our joy, you know, no matter what, nobody has the right to steal your joy from you. And, and the only way that we're going to be able to uh, make a shift is, is to find that part of yourself that has that spark of life that makes, you know, it's like, hey, you know what, I might be quarantined, but, you know, I, I can still party and, you know, I mean, I, I can still have a zest for life and, and, and not, not to let that, not to let that go from you. Um, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to, 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 to put that out there. Uh, by the way, um, uh, Jason, I'm going to come after you uh, again sometime because I'm creating a, a website called quarantinefunnies.com. Uh, I'm developing it, but I'm wanting to bring in my comedy friends to see if they want to submit, you know, their link to their videos and this and that. And I would feature them and put all their links and advertise them along with the site so that people can go to the site and find some place to laugh. Uh, and everything because I feel like we're not we're not laughing uh, everything's gotten so serious and so scary and uh, and the political spectrum that's going on uh, but I think that we're on hard times and I just want to make sure I think some people might be depressed and they might want to check out and oh, I think um, a lot of people do one time when I was uh, this is how before it's weird that I became, not weird, but it's interesting that I became a comedian because I had, I had scoliosis. I had a, a spinal curvature and a major back surgery. I had 12 vertebrae fused. And I had a rod in my back and it took like six months to recover. I was 15 years old. And there was one day where I, in my healing process, I was too, a little too active. And some of the curvature that I corrected had slipped a little bit. And they were like, oh, I, maybe I lost weight. And they had to put the cast on tight. I'd do another cast on me because I was in a body cast and everything. And I was a cheerleader and a body cast at the same time. And how does that happen, you know? <laughs> that, but it was true. Um, and uh, I, I believe I saw George Carlin on TV. And I, I watched him and I laughed and I laughed and I, and I felt better. I remember feeling better by watching George Carlin. And I had that feeling like, okay, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. And then, then, then I became a comedian myself in, in, in my adult life. And I just, I just feel that it's, I, I want to do something like that. So I hope. Imagine it's uh, Paul Laya. It's Paul Laya calling right now. Oh my God. <laughs> Should I answer this? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, why not? Paul, I'm on. I'm on. I'm doing an interview right now with Terry Joyce, and we were just talking about you, and and you actually text and called. Say hello to Terry. Hi. Hi. Yeah, see, I'm always helping your career. Now he's on. The <laughs> I actually put you on your first. I put him on his first uh, podcast radio show, which was my own, um, and he. <laughs> Which was pretty easy to do, I guess. <laughs> now he's in, now he's in deadline with his own uh, show called the uh, Low Key Comedy Show. No, Low Key Outside. Oh, Low Key Outside now comedy. Yes. No, Low Key, Low Key Outside. Oh, it's not. It's called Low Key Outside. Yeah, the comedy is. Uh, yeah, I don't know why he put that in there, but that was fine. Well, I, I think you should change it. I think the comedy part is good to low key comedy. I don't know. So, I, yeah. Anyway, so I, I, have, to, I have to end this thing. I'm being interviewed. But I just want, I thought it was so funny that we were talking about you just a minute ago uh, in the interview about the, she brought up my, she was talking about my career. We brought up mentor. And then all of a sudden you were texting me. So that's so funny. Buddy, I love you, man. Enjoy your interview. Terry, nice to meet you. Do you know, no, Terry, well, you know what? Um, 
You know, I met you years ago. He didn't remember me. That's okay. It's okay that you don't remember me. <laughs> but I met you. There was a, a show that, and for some reason, I'm even forgetting the name of the, the movie, but it was a movie kind of about, um, oh, you were in a classroom, and then the, it was, it, it was a, the, the director. Movie, she's talking about a premiere of a movie you actually went to. No, and he was in it. He was in it. He played a part in it. He was he played a part of a student in in, in the film. It was about oh, uh, the Falls film that you did on Lifetime. Oh, I, I think you're talking about divorce education. It was like some movie with Jamie Lynn Sigler. Well, anyway, this is my interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get Paul next time on, on, on the show. So have you? He'll ha so have you on the show next time. <laughs> All right, I'll call you back, buddy. Okay. Bye-bye. Wow, what an interesting coincidence. I love it when that happens. He, his ears must have been burning. I would guess so. Anyway, we must go because it's been an hour. But, it uh, has. Thank you for the interview. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, if anybody wants to get a, get a hold of me, just go to jasonstewart.com, S-T-U-A-R-T. And Terry, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being so kind and wanting to interview me and, and uh, saying all these nice things. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, and uh, it's, it, was, it, was, it was a pleasure to do the interview with you. You take care, Jason. You too. Take care. Honey. All right. Bye-bye. And I want to say thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, please like and share if you like this video, and uh, I'll see you next time.